All right, good morning, church. Good morning. Welcome to Coastline. If you're new here, welcome. Um, and then also, if you're joining us online, uh, welcome to service as well. Really thankful that you guys came. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a few uh, weekends a year that a pastor does not look forward to, and one of them is Memorial Day weekend, and so um, half the church is gone. So, But let me say this to you guys. I've been searching the scriptures, trying to find a verse that says that you guys are going to get an extra blessing from the Lord for showing up on a, on a holiday weekend. So I'm, 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 I'm going to look for it. I'm going to find it. It's somewhere in here. So, but I definitely believe the Lord is going to bless us this morning, and the Lord's going to speak to us. And I just pray that not only were you blessed by the worship, but I pray that you're blessed by the fellowship, and I pray that we're blessed in receiving God's word this morning. All right. And yes, Stacy, I'm thankful that you are here. So, all right. That wasn't me saying I'm not thankful for the ones that did come. But, all right. Real quick, I've been talking about this for the past few weeks, and I want to remind you guys again, two weeks from now, we're two weeks away from our church dedication. And so dedication Sunday is Sunday, June 13th, two weeks away. Obviously, we're going to meet here. We're going to have service at 10.30 a.m., like we usually do, and then we're going to stay after, and we're going to fellowship and share lunch together outside in the parking lot, and so I want to encourage you guys, mark your calendars. I've been telling you guys, if there was one Sunday that I beg you guys, I plead with you guys, I implore you guys to mark in your calendars and come and be a part of, it is Dedication Sunday as we ask the Lord to bless um, this space that he's given to us. So Grab a flyer, mark your calendars. So take that flyer, invite someone with you, invite a neighbor, family member, enemy, I don't care who you invite, but invite someone to come and be a part of the service. So make sure you guys um, do that. All right. Okay, I thought somebody texted me that they couldn't hear me online because that happens sometimes. But all right, so make sure you guys grab a flyer and you guys join us. It was a special message from our sound booth, uh, but I won't tell you guys what the message said. So, all right. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We are currently in our fourth week in a series that we're doing here at Coastline called Let's Grow. Let's Grow. Obviously, the emphasis that we're placing over these next several weeks is we're focusing on, we're going to place the emphasis on growing as a church, and then obviously growing individually as members of the body of Christ. And so this morning, if you're taking notes, the title of this morning's message is Growing in Faith. Growing in Faith. Would you take a look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 with me? This morning, because I like the way it reads, I'm going to read to you guys out of the ESV version, the English Standard Version of verse 3. It says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing now, before we pray this morning, if you have a pen, pencil, highlighter, something that makes a line this morning, there in verse 3, would you underline the phrase, your faith 
is growing abundantly. Your faith is growing abundantly. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. And God, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here in this space, for us to be able to gather as a church. Lord, even as Pastor Sam said a few moments ago, Lord, you are so faithful. Your faithfulness is evident every single day of our life. And so, God, we just first of all want to say thank you for just being good and faithful on our behalf. And Lord, now as we look at your word, as we study the text together, I pray that you would take this theme, this topic of growing in faith, and Lord, would you speak to our heart. Lord, as I always pray, Lord, you know exactly what we need to hear. You know exactly where we're at. You know exactly what we're going through. And so I ask that you would pray, I ask that you would speak into that area to that area that, that really needs to receive your word this morning. And so, Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, you can tell this morning's message, Growing in Faith. It's interesting to me that the world defines those within the church as people of faith. Would you think about that with me for a moment? The way that you and I are categorized out there. The way that you and I are categorized within the media. The, the term that's used to describe you and I is we are people of faith. Because there's a certain amount of faith that you and I exhibit, I guess, by going to church, by having a relationship with God, that we somehow fit into this people of faith box. But what I also want to say to you guys this morning is that I believe that not only are you and I people of faith, but in fact everyone out there, if we're going to be honest this morning, is technically a person of faith. You see, there's a certain amount of faith that each person who exists, every person out there, whether within the church or outside the church, there's a certain amount of faith that we collectively as people use on a daily basis. And obviously I'm speaking about faith outside the spiritual realm. The word faith in the dictionary is defined as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So on a daily basis, every single person who exists in one way or another exhibits some amount of faith. You see, we show faith in simple things, such as this morning. I don't know if you're aware of it, but simply your journey here to church was a ride of faith. You got in your car. You got in there and you drove on this thing called a freeway or a highway. In fact, you took the speed up to 70, some of you 80 miles an hour, some of you even with your children in the back seat, and you have faith that at some point your speed would decline because you have this thing called a brake, right? You see, on the way to church this morning, we exhibited faith, we trusted we relied upon our brakes to stop the car. 
Now in that same car this morning, as you were on your way here, you also crossed intersections. And on your way, you were counting, you were depending, you had faith that the green lights would work for you to cross. And that those same lights, the red ones, would stop the other vehicles from colliding with yours. This morning, all of us in here, whether people of faith or not, we've exercised some sort of faith this morning. Now, there's obviously bigger issues that require faith too. Let's talk about a big one right now in 2021, the vaccine. You know, when the vaccine first came out, I was like, well, I'm going to wait until at least 20 people I know get the vaccine. And if none of them die after a few months, then maybe I'll consider getting it. And so I watch people around me go and get, get poked and, and I'm, you know, and I'm waiting. I'm like, you know, are they going to die? Yeah, I, and, there was, and I'm not going to lie. It was almost like watching a TV show, you know, watching people get poked, thinking, you know, with anticipation, is my good friend going to die? Is my daddy going to die? And so I'm, I'm watching and, you know, thinking to myself, okay, maybe I'll get it. Yet some of you were in line on the first day and you weren't even 60. You, some of you were in line saying to yourself, I'm down, poke me. <laughs> I'm cool. You know, I, I got faith. You know, I had that conversation with some of you where you're willing to say, okay, I know this is new. I know it hasn't been, you know, gone through a couple years of testing, but I'm down. I'm cool. I'll take that step. Now, some of us have taken other steps. You know, think about it. Life is full of steps of faith, whether you're a person of faith or whether you're not. Every day there are people leaving their hometowns, their home churches, their lucrative jobs because there was a sense that there was something else out there. And that type of movement required faith, did it not? And so when I think about the way that the world views faith, they typically view faith from within the church or the religious box. And yet I would say to us this morning that everyone, every day, exercises some form of faith. Even your grandpa that doesn't know the Lord, even your cousin that wants nothing to do with the Lord, they exercise some form of faith on a daily basis. Which leads me to our topic this morning, growing in faith. What does that look like? Is that, is, is that a phrase that's reserved strictly for the church? Is it a spiritual concept? Is it, what does it look like for someone to grow in faith? Specifically this morning, obviously we're in church, and so we're going to focus on this phrase in the spiritual realm. And so would you go with me back to our text this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Would you go with me over to verse 3? It says in verse 3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. If you didn't underline that earlier, underline it now. It says, and the love of every one of you for one another is 
increasing. Here in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul is writing his second letter to the church in a city called Thessalonica. Paul first came to the city after he had been imprisoned in Philippi. And so a lot of you guys love the book of Philippians. We love Paul's prison letter. So after Paul gets released from, the, from prison in Philippi, he immediately heads to the city called Thessalonica. While he's there in Thessalonica, he makes his way into the synagogue for three consecutive Sabbaths. And we're told that he heads there to reason with the Jews out of the scriptures. And the interesting thing is as he makes his way into the synagogue, it becomes, those conversations become so intense that almost the entire city of Thessalonica was now gathering in the synagogue to hear what Paul had to say. Well, obviously, Paul, getting the attention of the entire city, ruffles a few feathers. There are those amongst the Jews who obviously become jealous of what's taking place as Paul is speaking the word of God. And so people amongst the Jews, they begin to stir problems, trouble against Paul. And so they come to the house where Paul was staying to arrest him. Yet Paul had already got word that this was going to happen, and so Paul had actually left and headed toward Berea. According to Acts chapter 17, Paul stayed in Thessalonica for only three weeks. And then the persecution came. And so eventually he has to leave. Well, now Paul is now in Corinth. As Paul is in Corinth, he can't stop thinking about this group of people that he ministered to for these three weeks. Out of those three weeks, a little church had formed. A body had developed. A, a group of people had come to know Christ. And he couldn't shake it. How are they doing? I wonder what's going on. Obviously, there was no Instagram or Facebook to see. There was no telephone to pick up. There was no, let's go online and send an email or, or let's figure out or let's send a text and find out how they're doing. The only way that Paul could really know how this little church in this city was doing by, was by sending Timothy to go and check up on them. And so Timothy goes and he makes his way to Thessalonica and he finds out that they're doing well. He finds out that this little group of believers was still existing as a church. But there were some problems. Obviously, like in any church setting, there are those who come to sort of pollute the truth, to distort the truth. There are those who come within the group to spread cancerous teachings. And so what Paul does is Timothy comes and tells Paul what's going on. Paul then writes a letter, 1 Thessalonians, and sends it back to Thessalonica to help them understand some of these errors that they've been taught, some of these problems that have developed within the church. Well, then a year passes after that between the first letter that Paul writes to, Thess to the church of the Thessalonians. A year passes, and then all of a sudden, now there's a second letter that Paul writes. Because after a year, some of those problems began to either resurface or they, 
were to continue. And so that's where we get where we're at this morning. 2 Thessalonians, it's the second letter, second time, second epistle that Paul writes to this church. Now, let me say this before we get into our text. Yes, there were problems within the church. Just like there's problems within any church. Anytime you get people and there's flesh involved, there's going to be problems. But let me also say this. There was also some beautiful stuff happening in this church. So there were problems, but there were also blessings. There were areas that need to be corrected, but there were also areas that needed to be praised. And so that's what we have here in our text this morning in verse 3. Paul is writing, and he, and, and, and he delivers to them, he writes to them, he pens to them these phenomenal words of encouragement. And, and I want to spend some time in these words this morning. Go back with me to verse 3. And I want the emphasis this morning to be on what Paul was hearing about the church. In verse 3, he says, I heard that your faith is growing abundantly. Your faith is growing abundantly. Although there are problems, your faith is growing abundantly. And take a look at the end of verse 3. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So in other words, not, your, your faith is growing and your love as a church family is also growing. Next week, we're going to talk about growing in love as a church family. But would you continue with me in verse 4? Because there's something interesting that I want you to notice. After these phenomenal, beautiful pen words, growing faith, growing love, he says in verse 4, Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness, your steadfastness in faith, he says, every time I talk about you, church of Thessalonica, every time I'm in other churches and I mention your church, one of the things I boast about you, one of the things I praise you in is your steadfastness, your faith. But I want you to notice there at the end of verse 4, he says, faith, notice it with me, in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring so according to verse 4 a lot of the same persecution that drove paul out of the city those within the church were also experiencing along with notice the end of verse 4 afflictions so the church was thriving the church was growing listen in the midst of persecution and afflictions I think this is important for us to hear this morning because I believe that one of the things that really grieves my heart as a pastor is when I see people, the moment they go through persecution, the moment they go through any sort of affliction, any sort of hardship, one of the things that really just bums a person out is watching how someone is very quick in, the, in those circumstances to either abandon their faith or become weaker in their faith. 
Oh, persecution's here. I got I to gotta run. Oh, affliction is knocking. I can't do this anymore. You see, so many people are quick to abandon the faith when times get hard. And yet you have a church here in the midst of persecution, in the midst of affliction, they're thriving. They're growing. You see, for me, it is so encouraging to read that a Christian can grow even in a hostile environment. Let, let, let me repeat that. When the Spirit of God is dwelling in us, it is possible for a Christian to grow even in a hostile environment. And so if that hostile environment is your workplace, you can still grow. If that hostile environment is maybe you didn't come from an all-Christian family, you can still grow. If that hostile environment is, man, I don't live in maybe the best of communities or neighborhoods or whatever it might be, it's not an excuse for us not to grow. Listen, church, less than ideal circumstances are not a reason to not grow. We can't say, oh, it's been a hard year. We can't say, well, it's been a busy, it's been a busy season. We can't say, well, there's been a shift in my schedule or there's this global pandemic, you know, all the things that we could legitimately make excuses for, for why we're not growing, according to Scripture, they're not valid. Because we have a church set in the middle of a city where the persecution's coming, the afflictions are, being, are, are, are coming, the hardship is being poured on them, and yet they're thriving. There's not a legit excuse for a lack of spiritual growth in our lives. Give me your eyes for a moment, church. I'm going to say it again. There is not a legit excuse for a lack of spiritual growth in our life. Even after 2020, in the year that all of us went through together, and church not looking the same, the world not looking the same, being absent from family, I mean, having to wear those, these things on our face, I mean, there's not a legit excuse for a lack of spiritual growth in our life. Before I move on, let me say one more thing. Women, you can take a nap real quick. I want to talk to husbands and dads for a moment. Anthony and I, we had a conversation yesterday, and it kind of triggered something for me, and I want to talk about it for a moment. Husbands, dads, our families depend on us to thrive in the Lord. Before Christine and I got married, we went through a little bit of a season where we took our eyes off the Lord, where, we will no, where I was no longer serving the Lord. And I'll be honest with you guys, I gave Christina a little glimpse of what Randolph looks like apart from Jesus for a moment. 
And I'll tell you that six months, a year, however long that period of time was, it was enough to shocker what I was capable of and capable of being apart from Christ. And I remember one of the things she told me when we first got married was you need to get back to serving the Lord. You need to get back to doing what God has called you to do. You need to get back to using your spiritual gift. You need to get back to being in love with Jesus because our family, we were about to have a little girl, our family, our daughter, our future children depend on you thriving in the Lord. She said, I've seen what it looks like for you not to thrive, and it's scary. I'm begging you, get back to serving the Lord. And I'll say this to every single one of us men, dads, husbands this morning. It's a scary sight for our wives. It's a scary sight for our children for us to not be serving the Lord. You know, for some reason, she's like, I never want this to stop. I never want this version of Randolph to stop because I've seen who you could be if it does stop. And I don't know. I feel like for some of us here this morning, that might be a word. Maybe some of us have taken either our eyes off the Lord or maybe some of us have become a little bit, a, a little bit lack or slack in serving the Lord or being fervent about the things of the Lord, or being passionate about the things of God, I believe that our families depend on us thriving. Amen? According to verse 3, their faith was growing abundantly. Now, there's a few words here within this simple little phrase that I want to highlight with you guys for just a moment. The first word, if you're taking notes this morning, here in verse 3 is the word faith, because this is, this is the word. I gave you the dictionary definition earlier, but let me give you the definition here in the Greek. If you're taking notes, this word faith in the Greek, it's the word pistis, and basically it relates to three areas of our Christianity. And so this word faith here relates to three areas of our Christianity. If you're taking notes, the first area by definition in the Greek that Faith relates to our Christianity. Number one, our faith or our pistis relates to God. There's the area where faith relates to God. And this speaks of specifically our conviction that God exists and that he's the creator and ruler of all things and that he's the provider of eternal life, eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. And so the first area there in the Greek that relates to faith is our relationship, the way that we relate to God. How do we view God? What is it that we believe or what is it that we have faith in when it comes to God? Do we believe that he exists? Do we believe that he's creator? Do we believe that he's provider? Number two this morning, would you write this down? The second area where faith relates to our Christianity, number two, is faith or our pistis relating to Christ. Number two this morning, our faith related to Christ. 
And this specifically speaks of a strong conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah. And through the Messiah, through Jesus Christ, we obtain eternal life, that we obtain eternal salvation. So there's that saving faith, coming to saving, coming to salvation through Jesus Christ. And then number three this morning, if you're taking notes, the third way in which faith relates to our Christianity, number three, would you write this down, faith or pistis relating to our Christian life. There's faith that's related to our Christian life, and this speaks of a trust or confidence in God in every area, every day. Trusting God in every area, every day. There's the Christian faith, my faith life. Now, secondly, the second word that I want to focus on for just a moment, if you're taking notes, is the word abundantly. The word abundantly here. So it says that their faith was growing abundantly. What does that mean? This word abundantly in the Greek, it literally speaks of growing exceedingly. Growing exceedingly. Growing beyond what the expectation is. Growing beyond what, man, this is as far as I thought I was going to go. I went beyond that. Their faith was growing beyond, you could say. Beyond whatever the expectation was. Which leads us to a question this morning. Now, what does all this mean? It's good that you're giving me definitions. It's good you're giving me a couple of Greek words and, and a couple points here and there. But what does this all mean? This is what it means. It means that in a hostile environment, the members of the body of Christ in Thessalonica, they were growing. It means that they were thriving. It means that they were, listen, giving us a visual of what it looks like to grow in faith. Those of you that like things concise, those of you that like things very sharp and, and to a point, let me summarize what growing in faith looks like, because that's what we're studying, right, this morning. I'll give it to you in three simple phrases. Three concise phases. phrases. Number one, growing in faith looks like this. Number one, growing in our confidence in God. If we can put it very simply, growing in faith, number one, looks like growing in our confidence in God. It looks like number two, the second picture to paint, is growing in our confidence in who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And then number three, growing in faith looks like this, growing in our confidence to trust him day by day. In situation by situation, in circumstance by circumstance. Very concise, very simple. Now let's get practical this morning. Let's get practical. That, that's kind of, those are the definitions, the, those are the words, but let's get very practical this morning. Would you turn with me over to Luke chapter 17? In Luke chapter 17, there's this other place in Scripture where we see what growing in faith looks like. 
In fact, as you're there, would you take a look at verse 5 with me? Luke chapter 17. Take a look at verse 5. It says, the apostles said to Jesus, they said to the Lord, increase our faith. And so the apostles made their way to Jesus, and that was their plea. That was their, their request. Lord, would you increase our faith? Let me say this this morning. My prayer is that as we've come, as we've gathered this morning, as we're studying his word together, I pray that we would have the same request. I pray that we would make the same plea with the Lord this morning. God, you have me here. The topic, the conversation is faith. Lord, would you increase my faith? The word increase here, this is kind of an interesting word. If you're taking notes in the Greek, the word increase here, it literally means to proceed further. To proceed further. It's a picture of a number stretching. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that have ever thrown a party or had a wedding or whatever, how many of you started out thinking that your guest list was going to stay significantly small, right? I mean, you start and you're like, okay, we're going to invite like 40, 50 people and that's all I can afford. And, and so you sit down to make the list and all of a sudden, you know, whoever you're marrying has a few cousins you've never met, a few couple uncles from out of town. And then as you're talking, you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, my kid or, you know, my cousin so-and-so has like 10 kids, you know, and, and three baby mamas, and I think we got to invite them all, or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you go from like, for the list being 40, 50, to what happens? It stretches, right? Once you're done sitting down, putting all the names on paper, this thing is stretched from 40 to 80. It's increased, it's proceeded further, in other words, the number stretched. What the apostles are asking Jesus is to do this. Would you increase our faith? Or in other words, would you stretch our faith? Let's say their faith was a four. They're coming to Jesus and saying, would you increase our faith to ten? Would you stretch the number? Would you stretch our faith? Lord, increase my faith what i want to do to help us understand this request is would you start with me in verse one though because i think it's going to help us to understand why these apostles make their way to jesus and ask him to increase or stretch their faith would you start with me in verse one luke chapter 17 it says jesus said to his disciples Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It's my personal opinion that Luke chapter 17 verse 1 should be a verse that every single one of us commits to memory. You know, it's, it doesn't make the list of top 50 memory verses, but to me, this is an important verse. It's an, it's an important verse for us to be reminded of. You know why? Because there are, there are going to be moments of offense that come against us. I mean, every day, you know, living in a world around people, even within the church, let me say this, 
even within the church family, there are going to be moments where words offend us. There's going to be moments where unkind words are said. There's going to be moments where things are said in jest. There's going to be unkind or unpleasant comments sent our way. And I'll tell you, I'm the first to stand in line and say, oops, my bad, I, I'm sorry. There's going to be moments where things happen. Offenses happen. And Jesus tells his followers, it's going to happen. Offenses are going to come. People are going to be made to stumble. Let me say this this morning we need to make sure that these things, that these offenses, that these words do not move us. That they do not move us or move us away. One of the things that I believe happens, and unfortunately we've all seen this, is where an offense happens, a words are said, things done and then someone no longer wants to come to church. We've all, we've either been that person or we've, we've know that person. And so someone moves on or moves away or stays away. I'm not going no more. Well, so-and-so said this to me, so I can't go back. We've been there. We've been hurt by words. We've been hurt by offense. But let me say this to you real quickly this morning. Duh. Jesus told us that these type of things are going to happen, and yet when they happen, they move us. When they happen, they shake us. When they happen, I'm not going anymore. But Jesus warned us they would happen. Not saying they're right. Not saying it's okay. Not saying that unkind things being said don't hurt. But Jesus said they were going to come. Now, flip the text with me real quick in verse 1, because he also gives us a, a different perspective. Notice the end of verse 1. He says, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So he says, you might be on the one side where you're offended, but I, I warned you. He says, but you might be on the other side where you're doing the offense. You're committing it. You're the one speaking it. You're the one saying it. But it's interesting that in verse 1 here, he uses a very strong word. He says, woe to you if the offense is coming through you. Woe to you. Be careful. Watch out. Notice verse 2. It's he, Jesus said, it would be better for them, the offender to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. So watch yourselves. Jesus said, make sure that you're not the one offending. Make sure that you're not the one with the unkind, unpleasant words. Make sure that you're careful in what you say in jest. Because he said, man, if you cause someone to stumble, 
Although they've been warned not to stumble, if it causes someone to stumble, to move on or move away or say, I'm done, it would be better for you to tie a large boulder, a stone around your neck and then jump off the boat and throw the stone out with you and, and basically it'd be better for you to drown than for you to cause someone else's faith to drown. He says, be careful. Watch yourself. Make sure that you're not the offender. Keep reading with me, verse 3. He then says, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. And so Jesus continues with, hey, let's talk about forgiveness for a minute. Jesus here in verses 3 and 4 gives a very clear teaching on what forgiveness in the body of Christ is to look like. Notice in verse 3, he says, if your brother or sister. And so he's talking about if your church family. If someone within the body of Christ sins against you, if they offend you, if they cause you to stumble, you are to rebuke them. You're to correct them. You're to call them out on it. And if they repent, if they say, I'm wrong, if they say, hey, I messed up, forgive them. Verse 4, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. The rabbis in Jesus' day taught that a person only had to forgive someone three times. And after the third time of being sinned against and forgiving someone, you were free to ignore them, avoid them, wash your hands of that person. That was the teaching of the day. And so Jesus comes in and says, even if they sin against you seven times. And then you guys remember in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus also said, if someone f sins against you, how many times are you supposed to forgive them? Seven times, 70, basically you know, you're to have this unlimited grace in your life towards, for, towards other people. This unlimited amount of forgiveness extended to other people. Now, this is where faith comes in. Stick, hang in there with me. These are verses in God's Word that will stretch us, won't they? I mean, we talked about being increased or stretched. These are stretching verses. These are the type of verses that we do not have the ability within our own strength or in our flesh to live out. Let's be honest, not offending anyone, that seems impossible. Have you ever hung out with me? I mean, I, 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 and I hang out with people that offend people all the time. And, you know, and I mean, have you met us? Have you met, have you met your fellow human beings? I mean, this feels nearly impossible it's a stretch to think that man i can i won't offend anyone today god your word is calling me to do something that feels impossible and then let's take it a step further forgive people you don't know the things that have happened to me the things that have been said to me the things that have been done against me I've been sinned against. 
And I'm tired of 70 times 7. I'm tired of constantly forgiving. You're asking me to do something that feels nearly impossible. Something that even if I do it, it's going to really stretch me to do it. Now go with me to verse 5. Notice the request. Upon hearing this teaching about offenses. Upon hearing about this teaching of forgiveness. Upon hearing these words from the mouth of God, from Jesus, that seem nearly impossible for us to live out. Notice in verse 5, it says, The apostles said to Jesus, Increase our faith. Stretch us. Stretch us. Upon hearing these words, Jesus, we know that we cannot keep them. Jesus, upon hearing what you've requested, we cannot do it. But Jesus, we're willing to try Would you increase our faith? Would you stretch my faith? Me being in the place that I am right now at a four, I believe that if you were to increase or stretch me, I could forgive if I I got to 10. I'm only at three, Jesus, but if you could get me to nine, I think I can stop offending people. Jesus, would you increase our faith? Would you increase it? Verse six. Jesus replied, if you have seed, or if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Jesus said, even if your faith is at a two. He says, that's enough faith that you could say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Jesus said, man, you do not realize that within you. And I would say to us as Christians here today who the Spirit of God is living and dwelling in us, we do not realize that we have enough faith to keep God's word, no matter what the request is, no matter what it calls us to do. As we begin to finish this morning, let me ask you a question. Have you ever come to verses like these that feel impossible to keep? Have you ever had a devotional time where you said, man, that's good, but not for me, or that's good, but I don't think I can do it? Where the request seemed impossible. Where what Jesus was calling you to do seemed without, beyond reach. My prayer this morning is that we would come to the Lord And that we would ask him to increase our faith. Let's stop for a second. Would you give me your eyes for a moment, church? What is something right now that you've been wrestling with between you and God? Just just some area of obedience. Some area of God calling you to do something, asking you to keep something. And obviously, 
with those of you here this morning. Obviously, whatever that is, it's going to look different by person. But what's that area for you? What's that call to obedience for you that you've been wrestling with? That you've maybe even convinced yourself it's impossible to keep. Can't do it. Can't do it. This is what I want to challenge you with this morning. Would you go to the Lord with that area? And would you say, Lord, increase my faith? Lord, give me the ability to believe that in you and through you, I can do all things, including obey you in this area. Forgive someone like you've called me to do. Stop offending. Bite my tongue. Stop with the offenses. Whatever it is, increase my faith. Stretch my faith to where I can obey you. One last thing before we finish this morning. Where does an increase in faith come from? Where does it come from? I mean, I know it sounds good for me to say, stretch it, Lord, stretch it. Increase it, God, increase it. But where does it come from? How do you get there? Would you go with me over to Romans chapter 10? And we're going to finish there this morning. Romans chapter 10. Where does an increase in faith come from? Romans chapter 10, would you take a look at verse 17 with me? It says in verse 17, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. You see, the more we read, the more we hear the word of God, I believe the more our faith increases. The more we read, the more our faith grows. The more we spend time with him, the more our faith grows. The more we commit to making the house of God a priority and Bible study a priority, the more our faith grows. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You guys can close your Bibles this morning, but if you're here and you would say to me, Randolph, I want my faith to increase, well then I would say, would you also increase your daily Bible intake? Your daily intake of God's Word, I believe, also needs to increase. And this is why. The more I read the promises of God, the more I commit his word to memory, the more his word becomes planted in my heart, the more I believe that I can obey him in anything. The closer I get to him, the more I believe, man, God, if you say it, I'm willing to do it. This is my prayer this morning, and we're going to pray. My prayer for us as a church is that constantly, consistently, daily, the Word of God would be poured into us. Not just on Sundays, and not just on some days, but every day. 
Lord, increase, increase your word, increase my faith. Let me say this this morning. I'm not content now that I'm in my 40s being the same Randolph who I was in my 30s. And if you met me in my 20s, we don't even want to go there. You see, for me, and I pray it's, it's, it's your desire as well. I mean, I pray that our desire would be to grow. And I'll tell you, I remember being 16, 17, in love with Jesus. And every year when the new year would come, January 1st would come, I had this little journal that I used to keep. And every year during my teenage years, I would write down something in this journal. I, I wasn't, I'm not a journal keeper, and so you're not going to find like huge stacks of journals. But I was a January 1st journal guy. And in my, in my January 1st journal, just like I'm also a, I'm going to start running on January 1st kind of guy, and then I stop too. But um, that's a whole other story. Stop staring at my stomach. But every January 1st as a teenager, I remember sitting with the Lord and allowing the Lord to show me if I had grown that year. And obviously there were different ways to gauge it, but I remember thinking to myself, did I grow this year? Well, how? Well, one year it was like, man, I did my devotions most days. I mean, that's growing, right? Then the following year it was like, man, not only am I doing my devotions this year, but I just got involved helping as a junior high youth leader. And then the following year it was, oh, well, now I went on staff at a church. I mean, I, and, and not that those are markers for growth, because obviously you could be the dead Christmas tree we talked about a few weeks ago and just hang a couple cute ornaments and look, I'm growing. No, no, but it'd be a dead tree. But I just remember thinking to myself, I want to gauge. I want to gauge if I'm growing. I want to gauge if I'm growing. And, I, and my prayer for us is that we would sit with the Lord from time to time and that we would gauge if we're growing. That the Lord would show us. That the Lord would show us if there's changes that need to be made within our life, within our heart, within our schedule that are hindering us from growing in our faith. Amen? Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for just allowing this time this morning for us to sit and to receive from you. And God, I pray that you would take, Lord, the things that were said, the things that were spoken, the truth that was declared from this pulpit. And God, I pray that for each and every one of us, um, I pray that we'd be able to walk away this morning saying, that there was at least one thing that was for us. Whether it was a verse, whether it was a phrase, but Father, I pray that there was some declaration of truth that we can hold on to, that we could walk away with. And so Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you speak to our hearts. 
I thank you, Lord, that your word is living. It's active. It's sharp. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and I thank you, Lord, even for the piercings that some of us maybe had on our hearts this morning by your word. And so, Lord, I pray that every single one of us would just, our desire, our desire would be to fall more in love with you. And so, God, we love you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, let's all stand. Before we finish with this last song this morning, let me say this to you. Let's keep growing. So far, we've talked about growing in grace. Let's keep growing. We've talked about growing in knowledge. Let's keep growing. Now we've talked about growing in faith. Let's keep growing. Keep growing. Make that your prayer. Lord, increase my faith. Let's worship. Let's sing.